0: Coming up, as the Brooklyn Nets push their way towards the NBA draft, more trade speculation as Pascal Siakam could be making his way to Brooklyn. We break down all the possibilities and reasons why it works. Coming up next. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ah, yes, my friends. It is the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. Over there, you're going to find Doug Norrie. He's the owner and operator of DFSR for all your daily fantasy sports rankings from DraftKings to FanDuel. He's got you covered. I'm Adam Armbrick breaking down the New York football giants on the One Giant podcast with my boy Andy Mack. We thank you for making us your first listen of the day. We're free on all those great platforms. And let you know that you can download the GameTime app, create an account, and use promo code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. And Doug, what's also guaranteed is that the Brooklyn Nets are going to be in these kind of conversations. When names get talked about, when head coaches get fired, all of a sudden franchises around the NBA look like they could be making more players available. And Sean Marks and the Brooklyn Nets should be in on that. Yeah, look, we're headed for what could be a, uh, an
1: offseason great upheaval around uh, the NBA. So it's it makes sense that a lot of teams would be uh, maybe looking to shift the way they've been doing business. And what the the recent word that came out um, from Jake Weinbeck of Hoops Habit and also behind the Bucks let everyone know that the Raptors are expected to listen to offers for Pascal Siakam this summer and that the Nets would be expected to be one of the teams in on it. He lists Portland, Houston, Dallas and Atlanta as those other squads. And so even when you're about to dive into this draft coverage for the week, you get hit with a little, hey, should we be thinking about Pascal Siakam coming down Brooklyn way? Because this could be a guy that maybe fits a lot of what the Nets are looking for. And we can talk about whether or not we think that's a good idea or not. But I'm not surprised that we're starting to hear some Siakam buzz.
0: No, but when you hear this initially, because we will get into why Toronto is in, the, in this position now, obviously moving on from Nick Nurse, but you also have Adrian Griffin moving on, the assistant head coach, now going to be coaching with the Bucs. We'll get into that, and and ultimately, if we would want this move to happen. But does Pascal Siakam as a name, as a player, hit your ears differently, even when we talk about Dame Lillard? Because when we, when we discussed the potential of that type of trade with the uh, Portland Trailblazers, age becomes a factor the contract is a big factor and then where the expectations go when you acquire a player like that not to mention the mechanics of it pascal siakam is the right age he's the right skill set like he's the right complement in theory to bring in with a mikhail bridges with a cam johnson at least to my to my mind this one resonated differently than other speculated trades that we've heard yeah, that's interesting.
1: I, I I did not have the same reaction to that. I don't view Siakam as a needle mover at, like in the grand scheme of things. Um, hmm. I think he's a nice player. He's a very very good player. He's twenty nine years old. He's coming out of a contract. Excuse me. He has one more year on a contract that's going to pay him. Just had it in front of me and now they're 37.8 anyway,
0: million dollars, dog.
1: Yeah, th- right. 30. Well, yeah, 37. Let's go round it up to 37.9. Um, 30, yeah, 37, almost 38 million going into next <laughs> season. And then he's and then he's a free agent. Yeah. And this is just this is one of those situations with Siakam. And we'll go through some of the stats on him and so sort of like what to expect from him. But I see Siakam sort of in this range of player. I, I, I had to put it this way. I, I think he fits right into that range of player that I just don't don't want the Nets touching, <laughs> like because and and we can go through why and I, I maybe we'll bandy back and forth about like where we where where we kind of land differently on this. But when I saw that, I was like, oh man, is this really what we want to be doing? Like si- Pascal Siakam, age thirty, into a new contract with a team that's like not ready to get over the hump, or you know what I mean? Because like this is this is where I kind of landed with him even though I think there are superlatives around him that you can make a case for it. Yeah. But I just think I'm going to probably just wholeheartedly disagree with some of the trajectory moves here, but I, but I'm, but I'm not like totally against it.
0: Well, by the way. And so I guess I will encapsulate in the sense of there's a lot of things that become factors here, right? What's the price for a guy on the final year of a contract? I guess to yeah. your point, if you talk about, and we had this discussion the other day to the chagrin of many fans around the NBA, that in fact, when you get to 30 and 31, you are exiting your prime as opposed to being smack dab in the middle of it. So I, I get that element of it, but I would say, unlike let's let's say the, the Dame Lillard one of, hey, that name and that talent is going to cost you a lot, not only in the contract, but also in what it takes to get them from Portland. If the price point is right here, right? If the Brooklyn Nets could send, maybe a player or two, or you know, avoid sending out any picks at all, or go pick heavy and maintain the roster that they want to, I think that 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 does shape and inform it in two ways. One, if the cost is right, then it's worth the quote risk. And the second part would be, if it doesn't cost you draft capital, then I can paint a a, a very easy picture of, hey, a one-year opportunity with Pascal Siakam, and then you probably reintroduce the sign-and-trade possibility. You don't have to be committed to bringing him back long-term. It, it, it probably doesn't mesh perfectly with where the Brooklyn Nets organization seems to be about being patient around this stuff. But this is a far different, like, risk reward scenario to me than, again, some of the other names that you would talk about, including, by the way, a teammate of Pascal Siakam's right now, Fred Van Fleet, where you're like, open market. You got a clear cap to go sign this guy. You could manage this potentially with Toronto. And I have a very interesting theory about this possible this possible transaction that i'll bring up later in the episode yeah look
1: i mean here you know we didn't even mention you know what it would cost to i mean or I, excuse me i didn't mention what it would cost as even part of the even starting around the scenario you are right, right. If, if, if if anything with if the price is right you have to always consider it so i you know taking that context out of it was a mistake but by me but I will say, like, even with that, like, the Nets have trouble here with some of the contracts. Now, <laughs> coincidentally, someone who makes the exact same number of him that going into next year is one, Mr. Ben Simmons. Um, but, again, I think we can pretty much agree that, like, getting off the Simmons contract would co- would for a guy like Siakam, if if it was even feasible, which is probably not, like, would cost you major draft capital at that point. Like, right? Like, you are piling on lots of different stuff to be able to make it happen just because that's just where these but two man, assets just, are. Yeah.
0: Let's let's tie a bow on that theory of it. We'll get into Pascal Siakam as a player and his stats, etc. cetera. Yeah. But that, cause that's the name that I was going to say, Hey, guess what? We have $40 million here. If the scenario was Pascal Siakam coming to Brooklyn and the Nets are sending out, you know, Ben Simmons contract for the money purposes. And let's assume that Nicholas Claxton is like the key figure that, that Toronto right. would theoretically want back. Cause he's the young player, the team friendly contract in the short term. If that's the basis of it and it doesn't go beyond a first round pick, maybe another. You know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily wag my finger at right now. And I love Nicholas Claxton. I'd be. I'd be more concerned about giving him up potentially, but understanding who Pascal is as a player, where his skill set would be, I'd have a hard time not at least sitting, maybe even sitting down at the table, let alone taking the call, if that was the framework that one gets you off that money for Ben and doesn't necessarily cost you that much because. One thing we haven't discussed this offseason specifically because we like Claxton so much, we don't think he's going anywhere, is what is Nicholas Claxton's value? Right? We talk about two first-round picks for Dorian Finney-Smith as experienced veteran. Well, Nicholas Claxton has to be discussed in that vein, especially with his contract over the next couple of years.
1: Yeah. And this is kind of where this is where the all these things, nothing, nothing with the Nets or any team in the NBA happens in a vacuum. Right. It's like not good enough to say, oh, would you want this guy? It's like, hey, this is other teams. Spoiler alert. They want something back usually too, (laughs) (laughs) right before they before they get rid of a guy. So we'll get into a little bit more with Siakam's game. We'll talk about, you know, sort of the state of where the Raptors and maybe even some of the uh, the um, East here is here in a second. First going to tell you about our friends over at game time. Look, buying tickets for an event shouldn't be stressful. It should be fun. You're going to something you want to go to. You're going to a live event, a game, a concert theater. You want to just be able to get the tickets and know you're going to have a good time without all the hassle. That is where game time can hook you up. If you're in the New York area right now, I mean, you go to game time, they got all kinds of great stuff. You got Boston, the Red Sox, the Yankees coming up here later in June, Beyonce coming to Met Life. That's up in game time. Ed Sheeran. Maybe you're into the music. Billy Joel, I'm going music heavy here. There's Look, FC Cincinnati and New York New York City FC. They got everything that's going on in the New York area over at game time. They're going to keep you happy with the prices. They're going to they even have a price guarantee where they're going to match anything uh, 110% of the difference with a credit. If you find a better price somewhere else, you're going to get flash deals on last minute tickets. Easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area, get those pictures of the seats too before you buy, so you know exactly what you're going to be seeing. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code Locked On NBA for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code Locked On NBA for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed.
0: Okay, so the other thing that comes up around why is Pascal Siakam available? Fred Van Fleet's been talked about. Um, OG Ananobi, by the way, inside the network circles, has been getting discussed potentially. And that all came and stemmed from, first, Nick Nurse being fired. Now, he already has found his new gig down in Philadelphia with the 76ers. Good for him. People questioning this, by the way, sidebar, people questioning why Nick Nurse would choose that job because there seems to be some interest around what's the stability there. You have Joel Embiid it's kind of hard to not be excited about attaching yourself to one of the best players. That being said, you also then have um, Adrian Griffin, who's going to become, who is now going to be the Milwaukee Bucks new head coach. And I think that, you know, you can at the one at the first step, which is Nick nurse being let go. You think, okay, you have a guy in house who knows these players. Maybe you just bump him up. And he had internal interviews with the Raptors. Once the assistant coach goes to, I do think that that's like the next layer of, where all of a sudden you start to look at this roster and say, maybe the Raptors are headed towards a bit of a strip down, want to get younger and want to move off of guys and get value for them now, rather than lose out on that later, especially with Siakam with just one year remaining. Yeah, they're,
1: they're probably in a point of transition here, especially if they lose Van Vliet, right? Like they've been, nobody's been, been dangled forever now. I mean, it just looks like they're going to sign, resign sign because, um, They you know they use draft capital to get him but that's like not the end of the world like they could just be going through a huge shift here and that's because they just they're kind of all their guys are coming up all at the same time um if that's the case it makes sense that these guys would start getting dangled because they do have a chance to like do a full-on huge reload now masai ujiri has not seemed to want to do that um other than like spiking the Barnes pick a couple years ago but that Mm -hmm. was after a weird florida season uh post pandemic so it makes sense with siakam and they're kind of the rest of the guys about why they all might go here, or maybe like some stay and some go. And they try to pick and choose who they're gonna um, kind of build around. I would be surprised though, if one, they wanted to build around Siakam long term. I'll talk about why in a second. And two, I would actually be interested to know what his overall just sort of like trade value is now. Mm-hmm. Because like, I think we're gone, gone are the days of like teams just unloading massive amounts of draft capital, like a la Rudy Gobert DeJounte <laughs> yeah. Murray or Durant. I think that's over. I, I think those days are done. Like, I don't think those are coming. Those deals aren't coming back. These with the new cap, these teams are just not going to do. It. It's too risky Um, or the new CBA. But with Siakam, especially like. I don't know, like, you know, what? I, I can hit some of the stats here real quick, but like yeah. just from like a team building standpoint, like, you know, does that make sense that like this might not be the guy that the Raptors. And honestly, even the Nets, like, would want to, like, hitch their wagon to age, all this other stuff, like, going out into many years. Because I just think that this is, like, sort of the wrong spot.
0: Yeah, I know. I agree with you on that, you know, on that part of it where I can be interested in a trade for Pascal Siakam. But I'm, I'm interested in Pascal Siakam in the short term. For what he frees up Mikhail Bridges to be able to do more of, right? Like how he can right. help elevate some players because he's still a top, whatever player in the league. You want to put him top 25, top 30. I mean, it doesn't matter where you want to place him, but he's definitely at least established a track record of a certain level of play, even beyond what we hope Mikhail Bridges is just about to enter into. That being said, in Toronto's case, no, he's not the guy that you build a centerpiece around. And there's statistical reasons, I think, for that. And maybe projecting out how his game is going to age as he gets into his thirties. Likewise for the Brooklyn nets. It's funny right now. I think everyone around the league, you'd probably say Pascal Siakam is a better player than Mikhail bridges, but I might only be a season away from flipping that out on Ted, right? If, and if you're you and I covering the nets here over the second half of the season, we might, I mean, I would say right now, if you told me pick one or the other, I'm taking Mikhail bridges because I think that there's that next level there that we just scratched the surface of. So, where his true value is does become interesting. And for the right team, it makes sense. I just, I think my bigger thing with this, and we'll go to the stats here in a second, is just what other teams are going to be interested potentially for him. How does he fit into other scenarios and help complement? I, It's rare that I find myself being in the short-term buy, and that's what Siakam is to me. He's a short-term band-aid to take the Nets from being a fringe playoff team, play-in team, to saying, no, no, no we not entrenched in the playoff picture and we can even go a step further in a minute about what they potentially could also add to the roster beyond him that would elevate what i think about this team yeah i agree that he's a floor raiser
1: like in terms of he doesn't put you over the hump like doesn't make you a championship contender um no. doesn't do anything like that like you I, you I agree with you that takes the pressure off um uh bridges in terms of the scoring department because he does like kind of just want to score like he was one of the league leaders in scoring.
0: I mean I there, take the, the advance of, of Cam Johnson too if you're gonna resign him that Cam Johnson doesn't need to be a 25 point a night scorer. He can stay closer to 16 to 20, be perimeter first and then work towards getting at the basket you know off of that. Sorry. Yeah,
1: like he Siakam has put a lot of minutes uh, up here over the last uh, over last year. The three the three point shooting dropped off a cliff to 32 percent like bad, bad. Yeah. I get worried a little bit how the game's going to age with the shooting in a decline, because when that's the case, like it becomes, you know, just a lot easier to defend the guy like this. Like he is mm-hmm. tall and lanky. He can get into the lane. He will spike huge games from time to time. He does pull disappearing acts also from time to time. Um, Like if you just follow him on a game to game basis. I just I just worry like I said like with the shooting is going the wrong direction. And a guy like this like has to be able to basically knock down threes. And for a while he was, like he had two seasons where he was 37 and 36% from 3. He got a lot better from above the break if you look at the shot charts. Um and it was like really on the, on on the right path and then the two, the 2021 season he was below 30% and that's horrible gets it back to 34%, but then back down to 32%. Like, not to make everything about three-point shooting, but when you play the way the Nets want to play and you already have, like, some floor possible floor-spacing issues depending on who mm-hmm. comes in uh, with around the rest of the team, like, you can't really afford to have it would be tough to actually maybe build around guys like this especially if you're gonna like already struggle with with pick and roll so i i don't know does that make sense like this is where i'm a little bit worried about how the skill set even lines up and i agree with you around just the on ball pressure off and the shot clock stuff like siakam can do that um so that i'd be fine with it's just like how the range of games if i like are we giving him assets to like maybe re-sign this guy in his age 30 season like that would scare me based on like sort of the way the numbers have gone
0: and and you go back. By the way, you're talking about minutes. Go back to 2019, 20. The last four seasons, he's played a minimum of 30, average 35 minutes per game, 36, 38, and then 37 again this past. He's season. an Iron
1: Man. Like yeah. now, I will say that's a Nick Nurse Like Nurse would run these guys to death, like he would, and I think that's part of the reason. Like he was sort of out in Toronto. Like these guys played a million minutes. He didn't want to play. He wanted to play these very specific rotations. I don't think like. You don't have to do that with Siakam another coach would not do that like you know what I mean so like I don't think right. I think that was more of a I think that was more a byproduct of the coaching than it was like Siakam himself because if you look across the board at these Toronto minutes I mean they're just absolutely bonkers with what N- nurse would do but I'm still I'm just still worried about the age about like the age regression on him and, and specifically about his game it's like hey you knew Kevin Durant I'm not comparing him to Durant, but, like Durant's game is always going to age because like he can just shoot from everywhere and like he's seven feet tall and can rise up over people like that will age right. really nicely. Always. Like I worry that Siakam's not the same archetype and like that it won't age well. And actually because one year it could just look real
0: bad, you know, for, for the, for the, for the theoretical money. Yeah. Yeah. For no, no. Yeah. Well that too. Right. Obviously again, it's, we talked about this the other day with a Russell Westbrook, you talk about it with uh, mentioned Dave at the top and yes. The money is not the only reason you look at a guy through a certain lens, but when you're going to make 37, 38 million dollars, it does matter what your production is and your consistency is. I I do wonder a little bit too about his production specifically from beyond the arc. um, When it comes to looking at the Toronto Raptors and who their perimeter shooters are, the streakiness of some of those guys when it comes to the outside looks, you know, OG Ananobi, you go and look at his numbers and say, yes, he's hitting at 39% this past season. But as you move your way down the board, Guys that are only taking after Gary Trent Jr. Like they're at players are averaging a couple of threes a game until you get to Fred Van Fleet, another streaky when he's on, on baby, he's on, but when he's been off, it looks a little bit differently coming up here in a second. The thing that will also attach to, would you do it? Would you not do it? Is I think a critical factor of what do the Brooklyn Nets do in the draft and this off season? in conjunction with a potential move like this that would elevate how we feel about Siakam on the Nets. Okay, so I mentioned it there. It sounds like you would be, I don't want to put words in your mouth, out on a uh, out on a deal like this, unless the price point was probably Doug Norrie's sweet spot, you take the Ben Simmons contract, and it doesn't cost more than a pick, maybe two.
1: Yeah, yeah, that would be and I just don't think that's like realistic. So
0: um I, I just would, think like would, would a Nick Claxton be an automatic no for you if they were if they wanted to add him in and reduce the draft capital.
1: Yeah, because I think with Claxton, you'd want to get back like a little bit more a little younger, not all the way younger, because like that's what you give guys up for. Or not but um And like a little more cost control, because it's it's basically that like, hey, what like you're giving up Claxton to resign this guy for what like something like close to a max contract? I don't think the Nets couldn't even really do it anyway. So like it would be just this weird contract situation. I mean, unless they were able to clear the Simmons stuff, which I don't, I just don't think it's like realistic. So I, it's just I think there's a few. That's where it just gets weird. Actually, this is why I'm fascinated about where Siakam's market will actually be, because. Knowing that you might have to end up paying him or you're going to be in a situation where you're going to give away something for a one-year rental on this guy. I do think there probably are some teams that it would make sense for. Um, but like this is the Nets aren't one of them. <laughs> right? Like and the oddly- Nets just
0: aren't one of those teams. And oddly enough, it's funny because the the Raptors might be in a difficult spot. You we mentioned Fred Van Fleet could be going. Maybe they'll field offers on OG, though, depending on which parts move, maybe you keep him around because the money doesn't look as bad there. But Like there's a world where the Raptors become a worse team this off season, even in keeping Pascal Siakam. And then his value only starts to diminish as the year moves along and you progress towards a trade deadline. Right? So it might, it probably behooves the the Raptors to make this move in the off season, not in season. And it probably even behooves the Raptors. If they're going to make a big move like this to do it before the draft. So they can get back draft capital potentially in the upcoming draft. And so there's two parts to this. One is, If one of the first round picks that you would have to give up for Siakam is 21 or 22 this year, guess what? I can part ways with that pretty comfortably. We're going to have, by the way, a great episode and discussion coming up with Rafael Barlow. I'll give you a double dip here on a Tuesday for everybody discussing and highlighting some really interesting prospects. But if I can give up one, and I know I have two this year, it means I can get a pick, get a player, and also give up an asset that maybe I would have at best wanted to push out to a future draft. The other thing to me is, is in that draft and whether or not the Nets can get themselves a primary ball handler, because to bring in Siakam unto himself, hey, him, Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson, the team's better than it was before you made the trade, but you still lack one of the critical elements that you need for this team to be successful. An on-ball facilitator that even though Spencer Dinwiddie had a great back half of the season, He's not that guy, at least with consistency, or he's not that guy that you can put there in the starting lineup and then lose it in the second unit. Do you, I, I know we'll talk a lot of draft here, but do you have a hard time squinting and looking at the draft and saying, we can get a ball handler and a move like this and start to change how high that floor goes for the Brooklyn Nets? Or do you just look at it and go, hey, the young, young players, if you're not picking in the top five or top 10, I, I can't really invest a lot of confidence in that player coming into 21. Yeah,
1: yeah. And this is like the other thing, too. Like, and you'll see this as a theme, at least for me, with drafting stuff coming forward here is that like drafting for need would be another mistake for on the Nets part. Like, they don't, you can't draft for need here. Like, they have to draft like upside, um, and, and over upside over floor, I think. Um, and we'll go through like the, the guys that like kind of fit that. And, you know, I'm sure we'll probably differ a little bit on this stuff, which is cool. But, um, yeah, like, I think like with ball handling, too, like the reason I want to, the reason, the other reason I don't want to make a move for a guy like Siakam, because this all does kind of run together is because I do think the Nets actually should probably play the string out with the Simmons thing a little bit to just see what they have. I mean, the the <laughs> the, the value can't be lower right now than it is now. Like it is already. And so just in like that one in a thousand world where he does come back <laughs> like, and, and is like actually good. Um, I do think the Nets should just play that out because I just don't see, unless like someone really just wanted to go, like you could do Siakam for Simmons. Sure. I I just don't think it's impossible. If you could do it, you say yes. But I do think like overall I'm of the mindset. The reason I don't want to do this thing here is because I kind of know what I'm getting with Siakam. I know what it's going to be. I know where the ceiling is. I Mm -hmm. don't think there's any more surprises or tricks coming out here. I do think there's a world where there's something different with Simmons. And I do think there's a world like with the draft where they can draft some upside and just go a little direct different direction here. And Siakam doesn't represent that. And so, yeah. and that's where I'm just like fine playing it out for a season here and sort of because they're kind of pot stuck anyway. Does that make sense? I, I don't know. Like that's kind of, I see I see Siakam represents like, the, this is why he represents the wrong kind of move for me. Because I don't think you're like going to mm. get anything. You're not like getting away with anything. <laughs> like, you're not getting well, away no, with anything by, by bringing him in.
0: So I would say like on the Ben Simmons piece, which I like, we're going down a narrative rabbit hole here that, that may not, they're, even all, conne- they're all connected though. It's all yeah.
1: connected. Like, it, but in yeah, this sorry. particular
0: one, no, no, no. But in this particular one, the, where you can get off of him and, and you're, and you're right. That, that, that one in a thousand chance that Ben Simmons does come back to some version of himself. Great. But I'm pro I'm comfortable. I'm a probably, I know that I'm comfortable. Letting go of him in a deal to get that money cleared off the books, yeah. so that 2024 off season represents something different. And by the way, on on a rental for Siakam, if that money's gone, that means that money is legitimately gone. The 40 million will be gone, right? And you know what happens with this trade is Claxton still here or not here? Money for him. You know you're going to re up with Cam Johnson potentially, and then you're going to have other guys if you draft well that you're going to want to earmark money for too. So I'm comfortable taking that risk. I do agree with you that the the Nets being It's not even cautious. It's just being patient. I think that that matters to how they approach this offseason and the next upcoming season. Because while we're all excited on what Mikael Bridges can be, and we know that we are smack in his prime right now, you have to do it for the right guy. And I don't know who, you know, I know who that player is. Luca becomes available. Guess what? (laughs) I throw everything I have at the Dallas Mavericks short of Mikael Bridges to say, hey, if I have a trio of Luca and Mikael and Cam Johnson, We'll build everything else out from there. And I'll give all my first round picks maybe to put that thing together and elevate us to actually being a title contender. Short of that, I think you have to be very risk adverse here if you're Sean Marks in the Brooklyn Nets because you don't want to get yourself committed to another another scenario of big money that you can't get out from underneath. So it is fascinating to me um, if the Nets would entertain this, how interested they would be in it. But let's close out on something if you want. That, that ties in nicely to the idea of we had had that fun discussion around a Russell Westbrook, right? And w- w- what's it going to be like? What's his market? It, it, if, if I paint a scenario where you get him on like a team-friendly deal and you have Pascal Siakam, does that short-term, like does that short-term excite you at all to say, hey, we brought in a couple of veterans that we're not long-term committed to. And yeah, maybe it does make us a team that could make a run through a round and a deep second round run and, and scare some teams in the Eastern Conference knowing that, it's a year commitment like if the Nets could find a way to ha- to be a little more dangerous for the next year and sacrifice some assets uh, that would excite me like it'd be exciting to see Mikhail bridges get even more talent around him than we saw over the back half of this last season yeah for one season they'd be certainly more fun to watch like the the hard, right. the
1: hard part with rebuilding is you have to usually go through parts where it's not that much fun uh, like I like that's the that's the not so fun part with rebuilding is that like to do it, you have to sometimes watch some not so great basketball. That is an unfortunate thing. It's why fans struggle with it. It's why owners struggle with it maybe more than anybody, right? Because like committing to a rebuild is tough. And so with a guy like what, you know, would it make sense for one year from a fun category to like throw those guys together and and win a few more games? Yeah. It would be more fun. Like the podcast would be more fun. The g- nightly games would be more fun. Like I, But eventually you have to have a reckoning moment with these things, right? Like there has to be a moment of reckoning. And sometimes the moment of reckoning can be like, you know, two bad seasons in OKC and now they're looking like something that's going to look really cool, right? Sometimes the reckoning can take a long time because you never can. Like in Charlotte, it's like, hey, we just can't be good. We don't know what's going on. We stink at this, right? Like So I I think that there's different versions of this. I I just get worried. I know that I feel I sound like a wet blanket with this sometimes because – I just know what, I have a feeling I know what it costs to get that. Mm -hmm. And I actually let my, I let, I I let my foot off the rational rope this year when we were kind of like, let's make the playoffs, even though that was like such a mistake, (laughs) right? Like it was like such a mistake to do it, even though it was more fun, like like long-term, long-term, long-term team building, good draft picks, capital, stuff like that. It was a mistake. We agreed at the time. It was a lot more fun to watch. I, I'm I'm totally on that part of it. But that's like the one example for me where I'm like, I would never have rooted that. But what was I going to do? Go two months and being like, why are they trying to win? It would have been dumb. Well, <laughs>
0: right? it's, it's so funny about it. We'll close out on this because it's like, you're right. They, they should have just tanked it out. And Mikael Bridges never should have even set on the court for the Brooklyn Nets. He should have been passed through and picks all around. And the Nets have, you know, 14 first round picks over the next four years and all that great stuff, which maybe is true. And then also, though, I always come back to like, but not every lottery pick is a hit. Not every top four guy ends up being a franchise player And that world where the Brooklyn Nets did dumpster at the back half of the season and got into the lottery. And then guess what? the ping pong balls fall wrong and you pick five. Nobody at five right now is as exciting as the first three players, right? So, like, I I think sometimes whatever happens, you'll inevitably find yourself thinking about what could have happened. And, And that's always a devil's bargain to me because the results, at least in the Brooklyn Nets case, in recent years, have not gone the kind of fun way. And you can make a case that the thing that has gone their way is when they decided to move Kevin Durant, they actually got back a guy that was way better than anyone anticipated or realized. And now you want to have good vibes coming out of the last season and good vibes going forward. And that's where, if not Pascal Siakam, if names were to come up, that's where I think the Nets need to at least be open to those discussions because it does mean elevating what Mikhail Bridges is. And in this era of Brooklyn Nets basketball, that might not be about titles, but being about entertaining engaging, and a, and a fun team, you can move the needle on that. It can't come at, the, at, at too high of a price point, but you can move the needle on that by going and getting guys that you otherwise wouldn't necessarily want to be in on. So this is fascinating, though. Siakam, Siakam, excuse me, hit, hit me different than even a Dame Lillard understanding what Dame Lillard is for a couple of different reasons, money and otherwise. Yeah, I, it all makes sense to me. I, I get it on. I, mean, I get it on basically every level you're throwing out. I
1: just. Um, I think we might just, uh, as people that listen to the podcast know, that we just. I probably look at this stuff a little differently, and that's good. I yeah. think we should. I think that we have probably. By the come way, up at it from
0: you said uh, it too. We're gonna to be thinking about the the draft is gonna be a lot of fun for us to discuss because we we do think about some of these things differently. I get overexcited about a, a guy as a prospect coming out of college, whereas Doug will most likely pump the brakes, rightfully, wrongfully, and it, it will make. For a really fun offseason. And don't be surprised if there's another name that comes up on the trademark that Doug and I have the exact same type of conversation about which side of the fence we fall on. All uh, right, we're going to get out of here. Make sure you
1: subscribe to Locked On Nets over on YouTube. Much appreciate all the comments. We're going to be doing some mail- more mailbags as we go through the summer here as well. So make sure you keep an eye out for that. But you got to be subscribed to Locked On Nets YouTube to make sure you are up to speed and everything that's happening over there.
0: No quote, just take a look at our fancy new layout and really enjoy that going forward, guys. We're we're really advancing ourselves in terms of presentation on YouTube.
1: All right, one of the all-time great poets, Adam Arbuck. We'll be back again tomorrow talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball.